Hi, and welcome back to The Secret Life of Parkinson's. I'm Jessica Krauser, and I'm with Brian Baker. Hi, Jess. How Hi, are you? Brian. How are you? I am fantastic. We have Jim Allen here with us. Jim, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited for this topic. Brian, do you know why I'm excited for this topic? No. Okay. So for, <laughs> for, um, for those of you who've been watching us for a while, you both know that Brian and I have, are, have young onset Parkinson's and there are a lot of other people like that in our shoes that are still working. And um, Jim has reached out to me. He's one of our viewers. And um, Jim is 65 years old. He was diagnosed in 2021 with Parkinson's. Um, he's actually an ambassador for the Davis Finney Foundation, which is amazing. Um, but his career was in employment law attorney. So he reached out to say, hey, your listeners might want to learn more about what they, um, you know, what, what our options are, I guess, from having Parkinson's and being in the workplace. So that's what our topic is going to be today. Very important. It is. Um, so just to jump right in, Jim, I'd love to have you just kind of give us a background of what you do and how you can help us and what we should be thinking about. Okay. Well, what I do now is I don't do any of this anymore. <laughs> I gave my legal practice last year. Um, employment law is a big deal. I wasn't doing, I started doing employment law in 1988. So I am predating the Americans with Disabilities Act. The firm I worked for in Atlanta, a large attorney, a large employment law firm, assigned me to learn the ADA. So I've been studying and learning the Americans with Disabilities Act since before it was effectively law. Oh, nice. So I go back to the original regulations. I've done class actions of the ADA. I've done, per I've done employer cases. I've done employee cases. And for five years, I worked for the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission as a trial attorney in their Savannah, Georgia office. So I've handled disability cases on behalf of the government, on behalf of workers, and on oh. behalf of employers. So I've done everything in employment law. So what was it like then when you were diagnosed? Did it open up a whole new world for you in terms of your career, like in terms of how you thought of things? Uh, it was interesting. After, when ADA first came out, employers hated it. No one wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. All the other discrimination laws are laws that say don't be mean, don't discriminate, don't refuse to hire someone because they're a woman or because they're black or all of these things. Uh, the ADA says to employers, be nice, do something good for people, help people out when they need help. So instead of just not firing people, you actually have to spend money to keep people working for you. Employers hated this when it came out, but now it's become pretty much accepted and everyone knows this is the way the system works. Mm -hmm. If you're working for any company that understands it, it's, it's been 30 years. There's no surprises in this anymore. It's a very well-established field of law. So for me, I actually had told my employer and my employer had told me about problems with my work before um, I had ever been diagnosed. So I received my diagnosis on a Friday and on Monday morning, I sat down with my boss and we went through the whole thing. Uh, and I made the decision that I needed to leave. I was at that point working as a prosecutor. It was a very simple legal job. Mm -hmm. but the stress of handling hundreds of cases at a time was simply too much and trials are all day affairs and that was just not something i was going to do and i'm toward the end of my career so i just gave that up but i was very much aware of the employment issues of, of it but so you were diagnosed in 2021 but you said your employer noticed things beforehand yes 
part of my diagnosis story is that my employer called me in and said, what's going on with you? Really? Uh, the difficulty I had is the thing Brian had talked about before, which is the masked face, mm -hmm. which means I didn't think that I cared about my job or that I was paying any attention. Uh, like but mainly, right like, like me always. Yeah, the main issue that I had was memory. Um, mm. I simply don't transfer things from short term to long term memory effectively at all. And I had a tremor, which was affecting my ability to type. Mm -hmm. So I went to my primary care physician. He referred me to a movement disorder specialist. I live 15 minutes away from a center of excellence. So I'm okay. very happy with the care that I've received. That's awesome. So there were no surprises in the diagnosis process for me. I, I did my research. I knew going in that this is what I was going to come out with. And I would have been shocked if it had been anything else. So Brian and I are both similar to your story in terms of I, I, I got the confirmation of the DAT scan, DAT brain scan when I was at work and I literally went in my boss's office and I was like, I'm going home. But this is they knew about the whole journey that I was taking anyways. And I was like, it's con it's finalized. It's confirmed, even though we know, already knew it beforehand. So they knew right away. Um, Brian, I know, was similar. But what what would you tell people who are new? Um, either newly diagnosed or maybe they're not even diagnosed yet, um, what should, what, what is best practice? Okay, here's, the simple thing is, it's up to everyone to do what they want to do. The law is clear, it's your disease, it's your condition, it's up to you to decide what to tell anyone. But if you've been diagnosed with Parkinson's, you have obvious symptoms of Parkinson's, that's how they do the diagnosis. Mm -hmm don't have a tremor or rigidity or balance problems, you're not going to get a diagnosis. So the people that work with you are going to see it. Mm -hmm. If you choose to keep it private, they're going to fire you because you're not able to do the job you used to do. That's the risk that you run by trying to keep it private. Mm -hmm. My recommendation always to employees on every area that I've done with this is that you need to be upfront with your employer about what's going on because everyone is going to come up with an answer for why you're not doing your job the way you used to do it. Mm -hmm. If you can't do what they're paying you to do and what they've expected you to do, they're going to start trying to think of reasons. And since the law won't let them ask you if you have Parkinson's, they're going to think that you're drunk or that you're on drugs or that you're not interested in your job anymore. So the price of privacy is unemployment and jobs are usually more important than keeping things quiet. And almost everyone tells their friends at work. Mm -hmm. You tell your friends, they're going to tell other people and the boss is going to find out anyway. So my, my recommendation always is to be absolutely upfront and tell them what's going on. So what is the balance of telling your employer versus maybe getting FMLA protection? Are those hand in hand? Are they not? What do you mean FMLA protection? Like, sure. so. Go ahead. I can go ahead and answer that. What, what he's referring to is the Family and Medical Leave Act. Mm -hmm. The Family and Medical Leave Act does you nothing, gives you nothing but time off. Uh, it also only gives you time off without pay, which is not a real useful thing with Parkinson's because it's not going to get better. Uh, family and Medical Leave is good if you've got a broken leg or if you're out for pregnancy leave or something of that sort, something that's going to be over with. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be better in nine or 12 weeks with Parkinson's. So it, it, that's not really going to help you. You're just getting some time off. The Americans with Disabilities Act requires the employer to accommodate the difficulties that you're having with your job. So the best thing to do is to sit down before you go to your employer and identify what the difficulties are that you're having with your job. 
since Parkinson's is so different, each person has a different experience, each person has a different set of symptoms. Mm -hmm. One person may have a terrible tremor that keeps them from typing. Another person may have terrible anxiety that keeps them from showing up in public to make speeches. Everyone's got a different condition. Some people can handle a lot of stress. I had a lot of problem with executive function. I simply had trouble scheduling and remembering mm -hmm. and setting up multiple tasks. I would go to a meeting and I'd walk out of the meeting and have no idea what was said in the mm -hmm. meeting. And of course, you can't, and, you can't, of course, you can't read your notes either because your handwriting is so bad. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and one of the issues they said is no one can read your notes because we had to write everything down so other lawyers could read it if the case came before them. And no one could read my notes. So yeah. it was it was a real problem because these are specific things that affect you. You should walk in with a list. Mm -hmm. I have this condition and these are the troubles that I'm having that I need to have accommodated. Now, the employer gets to pick what to do because it's the employer's business. They get to choose how they want the business to run. Mm -hmm. You tell them what the difficulty is and their obligation under the law is to help you fix it. So when you say it's, it's, it's up to them because it's, it's their you know, company, but does that mean that they, like, they don't have to accommodate you, accommodate you or employ you, uh, employ you? They have to do what the law calls a reasonable accommodation. Okay. So if your problem, for example, is your tremor and you can't type well, and typing is a fundamental part of your job, they have to accommodate that in some manner. You may say, well, what I want is this $20,000 voice recognition software program. And they may say, no, what we're going to get you is this $150 voice recognition program. Mm -hmm. And they get to make that decision. Okay because it's a reasonable accommodation from their point of view, but it has to make you able to do the job. So yeah. you can't just go in and say, I don't ever want to come to work anymore. I want to work <laughs> from home forever. Mm -hmm. Because that's not really a reasonable accommodation in most jobs. Mm -hmm. But you can ask for little things. And when they make you an offer, say, I'll try it. Whatever mm -hmm. they offer. Don't say, well, that's not going to work because then you're not cooperating. It's supposed to be a cooperative process. Is this a conversation with your manager and HR? In most companies, it'll be with HR. Your man Now, how you deal with your manager is a question of your sort of politics of your world. Okay. You're in a world where your boss is a real problem and you think you have to go to HR directly, then you go to HR directly. And you might be in a company that says go to HR directly. Mm-hmm. But normally, I would recommend talking to your supervisor and then going to HR. But again, I normally had good supervisors. I did have one really bad supervisor that got me to retire from the federal government. But other than that, I really haven't had that problem. But Do you want to call them out by name? <laughs> no, no, no. HR is the place that you want to go. HR is the, are the people that understand the rules. Your boss, in a lot of cases, is going to say, well, I, I don't want to have to put up with that. But HR, and Brian can tell you this, HR has to deal with this. They are trained to deal with mm -hmm. this. They know how to find See, the resources. I'm trained. Yeah, oh yeah, you're trained. Um, so, but I know that- <laughs> I that What? I used to train HR departments, so. Well, maybe you can teach them some things. <laughs> um, I know that obviously makes sense for, you know, mid-sized to large companies. I work for a small um, organization where you know, we've we've grown now, so we have an HR department, we have a marketing department, and that's where I, I ran things. But 
before that, um, you know, when they were really small, and I know a lot of other organizations are like this, that they might not even have like an actual HR department. If right. somebody's in that type of situation, like where, and if they talk to their employer and they're like, I don't know, like the laws or legalities, like what, what do people do then? Well, the law apply. the federal law applies to anyone with 15 or more employees and it counts employee very broadly. So if there's an owner who works there, but he's not an employee, it still counts that employee. It counts a lot of people who would otherwise be independent contractors. It's a very broad term. Okay. In many states or cities, there are laws that have fewer numbers. So for example, in Washington state, where I practiced for a number of years, if you have eight employees or more, the law covers you. The Supreme Court of Washington a number of years ago said, ah, forget the eight, just anybody gets covered. Uh, because that's just what the court wanted to do. So different places have different standards. I think California has like a three or a four person standard. It, mm -hmm. it varies from place to place. So you may be covered by the law. Most people I think will be. If you're not, then you're really just sort of stuck with, they're either going to help you or they're not going to help you. Mm -hmm. But if they don't know the answers, it's easy to find the answers. There's an organization called the Job Accommodation Network. The Job Accommodation Network is a nonprofit organization which does accommodation procedures. They have lots of information for employers on how to find different ways to accommodate different situations. So if memory is an issue, they can require, they can come up with things to deal with memory. If tremor is an issue, they can come up with things to deal with tremor. Um, but all of these things can be accommodated. What you won't find is anything that says, if you have Parkinson's, the employer has to do the following things. Mm -hmm. Because it's so different from person to person. So what about, and I don't know if you've, have you had the same job, Brian, since you've been diagnosed? No, I've had uh, four. Like four different companies? Four different companies, correct. Did you, did, did you tell them each one? Okay, yes. Okay. What is your recommendation on that, Jim? Like if, if, if people are, we were already diagnosed with Parkinson's and we just happen to want a better opportunity, a different job. Do you, do you disclose that? I, no, you do I, not need to disclose it. You what? You do not need to okay. disclose it. No, I did uh, not disclose in the interviews, but once I got hired on, yeah. I, I was very upfront because as Jim yep. said, the mask face, the I don't want to be sitting in meetings like this guy's ain't paying attention. He's been here a week and he's That's like, right. yeah. Yeah. He's mad at me or I've, I've said something to offend him yeah. it, there. You do not have to tell anyone anytime that you have any problems mm -hmm. when they are hiring you, you don't have to tell them once you, because you don't know when they're hiring you, you don't know what the impact of your conditions is, are going to be. Mm -hmm. Once you show up, well, then you know what the functions of your job are mm -hmm. and you know how those functions are impacted by your condition. That's what the law cares about. So you may be hired for a job that was not the job you expected. And so there are different functions that you can do fine and you don't need to tell them. You need to tell them when your abilities create a problem for the job that they've given you to do. So, Brian, I'm curious. I know you're you do recruiting in HR, right? Yes. So do you ever, do you handle, or have you ever heard anybody handling like the disabilities aspect or no? Not too much. I mean, we used to ask, and we don't even, I don't even do it anymore, but back in the day we'd ask if they could meet the 
job requirements to mm. whatever yep. they were is like whatever was listed there in the requirements. Do you have any special, um, you know, needs okay. to yeah, meet yeah. these requirements? You can, the only question that you're allowed to ask in the interview stage is, are you able to meet the essential requirement, the essential functions of the job with mm. or without reasonable accommodation? Yes, that's, that's what he said. That's question that everyone says. It's on every application form. Yeah. And if the answer is I can do it with reasonable accommodation, you don't have to say yes with accommodation. Mm-hmm. You say yes, because the answer is yes, you can do it with reasonable accommodation. It all comes down to the reasonable accommodation question. Interesting. So what would you, like anybody who is, um, again, still working and and just diagnosed, what is like the main thing you would leave them with to let them know you should really think about this or consider this, what would that be? They need to think about their job, write down what they have difficulty with, and when they believe it's becoming an issue, when they believe other people can see it, they need to go see their employer. They need to understand that more people are gonna see them than they think are gonna see them. People Mm -hmm. are gonna recognize the symptoms sometimes before you even recognize the symptoms. Mm And they do not need to go to their doctor and get a sheet from their doctor. They don't need to get a report about what their condition is because the doctor doesn't know what to say because the doctor doesn't know what the essential functions of the job are. Right. You just go to the employer. Here's my situation. By the way, you don't have to tell them you have Parkinson's. You can just tell them you have a condition that that causes it, makes it difficult for you to do the following tasks Hmm. and you need to be accommodated. They should give you a form that you give to your doctor and do not refuse to do that. We had so many cases in the government where somebody would file a claim and they said, they told me to go to my doctor and get information. And I told them I wasn't going to do that. So they fired me. And our answer is, yeah, right. You're fired. Okay. Because <laughs> you, they have the right to ask. Okay. Now the doctor doesn't even have to tell them you have Parkinson's either. But again, as a realistic matter, people fill in the gaps of their knowledge. Mm-hmm. If they don't know what you have, they're going to think things that you have. And almost everything they're going to think is worse for you than Parkinson's. Hmm. That's because actually good. drugs are worse than Parkinson's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's being, like being drunk on the job is worse yeah. than Parkinson's. Much worse than Parkinson's. Yeah. It's a good point. I mean, it's the same thing that they say with kids. It's like you, you do at some point want to be upfront with them and, and explain things because they're going to make stuff up in their own head and not tell you about it. Um, that's exactly right. Yeah. So adults are just like children. <laughs> <laughs> and employers want to control their workplace yeah. and they don't yeah. like things they don't understand. Absolutely. And I, I would say this also, they will fire you if you don't tell them because the employer is not allowed to ask. And the basic rule we always told employers was the first chance to fire is the best chance to fire. When you mean they would has, fight if they're not doing their job at, at well? Right. Um, because they can fire if, you if because of that, because they don't know that there's a disease that there would be discrimination against, right? That's right. And, and they can't ask. What if, so, did, did you guys ever have situations where somebody was fired for not doing their job well and they came back and said, well, it's because I have Parkinson's and blah, blah, blah? I never had that with Parkinson's. I have had it with multiple other conditions. Okay. Normally, we can get, if when we were with the government, we could normally get them back in. Mm-hmm. But when I represented private employers, they would simply refuse. Yeah. You should have told me that when you worked here. Yeah. Once you're terminated, you're terminated. You're not an employee anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it makes sense. Like, I, I mean, I 
I, I changed my job actually myself. So like I was, I was fine. I was actually promoted after I, after my diagnosis. Um, and I was still doing well, but then I hit that spot where medication wasn't working. My, like the depression wasn't good. So I took a couple of months off and then I came back and I told my boss, I'm like, I know I can't do this well for the company because my the executive function for me, it was just, it, it just, even though everyone's like, no, but you're, it's fine. It's fine. I'm like, no, it, it's really not like this. I should be much sharper and much, I used to be much better at this. So let me take a step back and, you know, do this type of job. And thank, you know, thankfully they were very supportive and, and let me, but, um, but I think it's just to your point, like, just be aware and be an advocate for yourself, just like you are at the doctor's office, but, you know, do it with your employer as well because you're and, protected. That's right. And almost anything is possible. They can mm -hmm. take some of your duties and give them to another employee. They can put you into a different job. They can assign you different duties. They can change your work schedule. Uh, I had a case involving a person who had an attention deficit disorder who worked at night in a bank. She got a private office because I told the bank, the bank was my client. I said, there's no one sitting in that office when this person's there. They need to be in a private office. Give her a private office. You can do anything for reasonable accommodation. It's a wide open field. So you want to be very honest and cooperative mm -hmm. with them in getting these things done because it can be done. Uh, mm -hmm. I've seen some astonishing accommodation things in which people have to sit with, you know, white noise headphones and and yet it works because they're good at their jobs. They yeah. just need to be accommodated. That's awesome. Okay. This, did you have any other questions? Sorry. No, it's a lot of good information. I know this is this is going to this is really good information. And Jim, thank you for reaching out so and i know i've said this to brian's mentioned it too on other podcasts and we make notes of it and in our comments of you know jim was just watching and he said hey this would be a great topic and it is and and there's but a lot of times you know I, I, we don't know all the experts out there so i really appreciate you reaching out to us and letting us know about this topic so thank you so much for coming we really appreciate well thank it. you for your for your podcast it's been excellent i've enjoyed watching it. great thank you well let me, I have to leave us with a 30 second. Brian loves my last 30 seconds. Um, but honestly, in our last 30 seconds, I think what Jim was saying is, is spot on is never forget that your PD is your PD. But, you know, be smart about it. Talk to your employers, um, especially if you're in a situation where you know it's showing and make sure that they know what's going on with you before they make their own assessment. Um, obviously, at the end of the day, you do you. Um, but I think that this is this is something that will resonate with a lot of people, especially in the young onset group. So with that, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is produced by Melissa Carlson and Steve Brandenburg. To contact us, email info at thesecretlifeofpd.org. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not responsible or liable for any medical advice, diagnosis, course of treatment, or any other information obtained through this podcast. The information provided by The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast you are encouraged to consult a physician, 
for a definitive diagnosis.